We talk a lot about money stress in this podcast. Money stress that is basically caused by having more debt than can be managed comfortably. If money stress is painful, why do people go into debt? Is there something attractive about debt that lures us out of our safe place and into the perils of owing someone else money? If I told you that debt was only a problem if it was bad debt, would you start to wonder what planet I was from? Like, how could any debt be good debt? Today we're looking at the difference between good debt and bad debt and how to make better debt choices. Hi, I'm David Wright, host of the podcast series Succeed With Money and founder of the Spending Planners Institute. I'm here with my co-host and great friend Carolyn Mose, the money lady. The Institute is the leading authority in providing education and assistance in helping people to remove their money stress, solve their everyday money problems and get back in control of their lives. You know, nobody fails with money on purpose, so every week in this podcast, we're exploring the causes of money stress and the solutions so our listeners can succeed with money. Hi, Carolyn. Hi, David. Carolyn, you and I have both learned a lot about debt over the years. Would you agree with me that debt is the main cause of money stress? David, is there any other cause of money stress? (laughs) Well, I guess it was a dumb question on my part, wasn't it? Um, (laughs) I probably can't think of any other cause of money stress. If you've got plenty, you're not in stress. It's when you run out that you get into stress, isn't it? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Pretty much, David. I see it it on a daily basis. The majority of my clients that come to me are deep in debt and deep in money stress. (laughs) Yep. And, And so, okay, so what is debt? Debt means you owe somebody else some money. And I mean, that's not such a bad thing if you can manage the payments, but it's when the payments are more than you can comfortably afford that it really starts to become stressful, isn't it? Mm, Yeah, well, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So today, as I said in my intro, we're going to talk about good debt and bad debt and how to make sure that you get that right. So I think that the problem that we really want to tackle today is, um, you know, the The interesting thing about debt is that it causes a lot of stress in people's lives. But as I just said, not all debt is bad. And some people might be surprised to hear that, especially people who are in money stress because of it. People suffering money stress because of bad debt know all about bad debt. But debt can be used to generate income and wealth. So we need to know the difference between good debt and bad debt. And I guess too, David, um, the thing is even with even with good debt, and I know we'll talk about it shortly, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who actually have good debt at the moment but are feeling highly stressed even with their good debt. Well, if, if, if you've got good debt but you're uncertain of your future, that certainly can cause stress. And, I mean, coronavirus mm. territory is definitely unknown territory. What, what will the future bring? Mm-hmm. So, you, yeah. yeah, you can definitely have money stress there because of the like, – w- well, that would be the fear of having bills that you can't pay and therefore potential for debt, isn't it? Would, would mm. you agree? Yeah. Well, that's right. That's right. So it's really because we're we're living in a land of, of a, fair, a fair amount of uncertainty at the moment and yep. and I guess, you know, that's where I was coming from in making that comment because for a lot of people and a lot of small businesses especially at the moment um, – life is very uncertain for them yeah and um yeah so i imagine that they would be feeling they would be under a lot of money stress and money pressure at the moment as well 
Yeah, well, you just never know if, if um, there's an outbreak of coronavirus somewhere. Suddenly shops are closed down, towns are closed down, communities are shut down, and suddenly everything grinds to a halt. I think probably what we should do at this point is to go, okay, so we talked about, we're going to talk about bad debt and good debt. What? How do we define bad debt and good debt? So yep. what are your thoughts on that? So, well, I think, David, you know, bad debt is is really you know, debt from buying things that lose value and they don't generate any kind of financial benefit, okay? Right. So sample of a bad debt would be you go and buy a car at the car yard and we all know that the minute you drive that car out of the car yard, you've lost, I don't know, 10%, 20%, yeah. 20%, 30%, whatever of its yeah. value um, and you're not going to recoup that. You know, your, your car is not going to all of a sudden increase in value either. So. Yeah. Have you ever wondered why a car loses 20 or 30% the moment you drive it off the car yet? It gets dirty. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty simple, really, but I actually never really thought about it until a few years back. If you're a car dealer, I mean, especially if you're selling brand new cars, do you, the price that you buy that car for is a lot less than the price that you sell that car for. So if John Citizen comes into the dealership and buys a $30,000 car and drives it away. And then he decides, oh, I wish I hadn't bought it. And he comes back. What price will the car yard maybe pay for that car? Not the retail price, but, well, I can buy one from the manufacturer at 30% less. So why would I buy one from John Citizen? Yeah, uh, it's just very true. plain and simple, isn't it? Yeah. So there's, there's no um, <laughs> no rocket science to it. So, yeah, I, I agree. Bad debt is when you borrow money for things that lose value and don't generate any income benefit at all. So that would be like you know, buying a car, buying a jet ski just to go and have fun on the weekend, buying clothes, buying shoes, buying motorbikes. Buy, I should throw that one in there. Because um, <laughs> anybody that's been listening to this podcast knows that I bought a motorbike on a, with a credit card way back in 90 and something or other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I did pay it off, but it was still a dumb thing to do. Um, so yeah, bad debt is just when you you're paying extra by repaying for something that you didn't have the money for up front. Yeah. Um, because you want something before you can afford it. Mm. So good debt, and it's funny, you know, because some of those things that we just described, like buying a jet ski, for example, I could show you how that could actually be good debt, not bad debt. So what's good debt? Yeah, well, I was thinking actually when when you said, you know, oh, well, when I mentioned the car being bad debt, um, but then if you turn that car into an Uber and um, you start creating income from using that car and then you have the tax benefits as well of that, then all of a sudden that bad debt is not necessarily bad debt. It can become a good debt. Right. So really good debt is when you borrow money to generate more income than the cost of borrowing the money. Mm-hmm. And bad debt is when you borrow money and it costs you full stop and it's just all a cost. It's, there's yeah. no, yeah. no upside. Yeah. So I yeah. was thinking of the jet ski. If I was a you know a, an operator down at the local beach where people hire jet skis, mm-hmm. well, then borrowing money to buy a jet ski would give me the opportunity to hire that out and create income. So providing it creates more income than the cost of the money that I borrowed, that's mm-hmm. good debt. Mm-hmm. So that's right. So now that we've defined that there is such a thing as good debt and bad debt, I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Could good debt turn into bad debt? Can good debt turn into bad debt? Um, I think yes, most definitely. 
actually right now would be some some perfect examples even with a jet ski because if i had a whole fleet of jet skis that i'd borrowed the money for and the tourists suddenly stopped because the border got closed for coronavirus suddenly mm-hmm. i've got payments on a whole bunch of jet skis and nobody's nobody's hiring them out well that's so right yeah suddenly my good debts become bad debt yeah absolutely and i think as i said before you know there would be a lot of businesses in that position at the moment um especially lifestyle type businesses because we're not doing a whole lot of lifestyle at the moment are we <laughs> no so it, that's an interesting thing because i guess you know like who could have predicted that suddenly the borders were going to be closed you you could look at somebody who and I'll, I'll stick with my jet ski scenario um who had a business and and made a decision sort of last year that business is going well my jet skis are getting a little older. I'm going to update to the latest models because I don't want them to break down while people are hiring them because then I lose income. Mm-hmm. So just gone and bought a whole new fleet of jet skis, sold off the old ones, and suddenly the border's closed and there's no tourists and and now the good debts become bad debt. Mm. And in life, you know, sometimes life happens, stuff happens. I mean, you talk about life happens accounts with your, your spending plan yep. client. And some people like to be conservative and sort of draw the line a long way away from, you know, that that place where it could go either way. And other people are happier to take bigger risks and push the boundaries. And sometimes they pay off and sometimes they don't. And that's just life to a certain extent. So I don't think we can give anybody today a hard and fast rule about where to draw the line. But I think what we can do is get people to be really conscience, con- conscious <laughs> and aware that, that A, there is such a thing as good debt and bad debt, and B, that you can have the best intentions of borrowing money for the right reasons, but it can go pear-shaped on you. Mm, and so mm. before you ever go into any debt at all, it's really worth just asking yourself the question, what could possibly go wrong here? Is there any way at all that I, I could, this could go wrong in me and almost do a bit of a risk analysis on, okay, what's the likelihood of a, a coronavirus outbreaking around the world? So, you know, and no, nobody could possibly have thought that question sort of late 2019. But there, there may be other, other, what's not questions, but scenarios, I guess, that, that you should sort of consider before you go into borrowing money, even if you think it's for the right reasons. Well, I think the other thing too, David, you know, looking back at the past, and I know we talk a lot about, you know, back in the olden days, and mm. um, but I think it pays to be very aware of what's happened in the past because we're looking at the moment at interest rates that are incredibly low. So we're also looking at a government who's giving us incentives to spend money Um, And so we've got young people who are purchasing new homes or or building new homes um, at the moment and getting government incentive for construction building and for first homeowners. So there's a lot of money out there that's a big incentive to borrow. Now, the problem with that is, you know, the banks, because interest rates are so low at the moment, the banks are offering a lot of money, right? And so, and I know from personal experience that, you know, my daughter and son-in-law at the moment are, are borrowing money to, to buy a house and it's very easy to get sucked into the, oh, we can actually borrow more because interest rates are so low. 
But mm-hmm. then we get into that third category of, you know, we've talked about bad debt, we've talked about good debt, then we can talk about uncomfortable debt, right? Yep. Because yep. at the moment, that debt might be comfortable at the current interest rate, but we know from past experience that interest rates don't stay low. And they're yep. not going to stay low even now. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, Murphy's Law, I think we've talked about Murphy in the past, haven't we? Like, mm-hmm. I think you just always need to leave a, a safety factor in there for Murphy to strike and you know, bad luck can just come out of the blue, like yep. this coronavirus yep. epidemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So yep. knowing to, to keep a bit of slack up your sleeve so that when things do go pear-shaped, you still won't be in uncomfortable or even scary debt makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I think the thing is too, because people will look at that and go, well, you know, how do, how do I kind of factor that in? And and just um, I'll, I'll do a little plug here for what we do as spending planners and in setting up a spending plan for a lot of my young clients who are looking at home ownership, we're actually setting up a plan with a mortgage in that plan at 5% right? Yeah. Yeah. And the reason we're doing that is because then they can see clearly that they can actually um, pay everything that needs to be paid and live a really comfortable life with a bit of lifestyle thrown in as well with a mortgage that's sitting at 5%. So they can already start paying extra off that mortgage, which is then going to create equity in the home. They're going to pay that home loan off very, very quickly, yeah. you know, if, if interest rates stay low for long enough, you know. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, that that's the key. And when we set up spending plans for clients, I always encourage people to have a rubbery expenses account. I think you call it a life happens account, but it's the same mm-hmm. kind of thing. It, it just does not pay to commit up to your total capacity to repay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. because Murphy's Law will kick in and there will be something that happens where you go, OMG, I, I'm mm-hmm. now out of comfort and into stress. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Nobody likes stress. Stress is not nice. And you have to ask yourself the question, is the pleasure of owning this whatever before I can afford to pay for it Mm. so Mm. amazing that it's worth the chance of being in money stress with knots in my stomach, can't sleep at night, you know, afraid that the phone's going to call, someone's going to knock on the door, debt collectors chasing me down. Nobody mm-hmm. wants that. But it is hard when you see something that you didn't even know existed yesterday and suddenly today you've fallen in love and you really have to have one. <laughs> <laughs> um, isn't isn't that called an emotional purchase, David? <laughs> well, and, and that's, yes, that is what I'm alluding to. Um, we, we are all human beings and, and if you can't control your emotions, you can't control your money. It's pretty much straight down the line because money is an emotional thing and we can't you know if you think of somebody who never makes an emotional decision who never buys something just because it was fun or or that because they liked it but there was no rational reason for buying it we're talking about a pretty boring person (laughs) you've got to have a little bit of fun in your life so you know well you do (laughs) definitely i'm just thinking of of um Probably an, an irrational purchase we made just recently, and I know there are a lot of people out there who are feeling um, pretty pretty isolated by COVID, 
and um, and not being able to get out and enjoy life or do anything. And we're lucky enough to live in a state of Australia where um, we do have a bit more freedom at the moment. And um, last week we made a purely emotional decision that we wanted to do something exciting on the weekend, so we went whale watching. And, right. um, and we didn't really think much about the cost that was involved in that, but it was probably good for – it was an emotional purchase, yes, because we just – it was a spur of the moment, let's do this, this this yep. feels good, right? And yep. But having said that, we actually had the money there to be able to do it and, you know, to have the freedom to be able to do that sort of thing. Sometimes an emotional purchase can be a good thing. You know, yeah. I'm not saying to people that they, you know, but I like giving people, you know, the, the ability to spend money without guilt, you know. <laughs> well, that's that's what a spending plan is all about, isn't it? I, mm-hmm. I was worried that you were going to say that you did the whale watching on a spur of a moment and you put it on your credit card. but um... I don't even have a credit card, David. You know me better than that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, so why why would it be possible for people to get into bad debt? We know there are lots of people who have bad debt at the moment, debt that is causing them stress, making them uncomfortable. I I would say first and foremost is probably a lack of education around the fact that there is good debt and bad debt. There may be people listening right now who had never even thought that debt could be good or bad; that it was just debt. Mm-hmm. And that debt is just a normal part of life and you borrow money so you can have stuff. And if you die owing the, a lot of money and you didn't get arrested for it, well, then that's probably a good way to go out. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's not my thinking, but that, there'll be people that might think that way. Yep. So um, I think, David, yeah, lack of, lack of education around debt um, is huge and we talk a lot about lack of education around money in general but yeah absolutely knowing the difference between good debt bad debt and what you you know what is a, a good and bad thing to do right. um, and again it's about and I know we've talked about this in the past as well but it's about um, educating yourself in financial matters because if you don't know I, I guess the other thing too just on that is that a lot of people think, that bad debt is just a normal part of life, you know, that you just, you automatically move into debt. And I know we've talked again about the 18-year-old that gets his first credit card and they immediately are sucked into that debt cycle, right? Because society says, oh, here's your first credit card, congratulations, you know. Well, I I think there are two things that, that come to my mind from what you've just said. And, and, you know, we've, we've admitted we're both oldies. Traditions and the way way of life have changed dramatically. Um, and let's cover that one first. So when you and I both left home, it was because we got married. I think would that be right? Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. So and and somewhere's after that point in time, it became, well, no, let's just move in with the girlfriend or the mates or whatever, and let's just live for the moment. And mm-hmm. and the way we did it, if you think about it, whether somebody sat down with a pen and paper and said, what's the correct way to do things? Here's the reasons behind it. Mm. Um, we we stayed at home because at home it was cheaper to live. It gave mm. us the opportunity to save money, to get ready for life. We yeah. met the, you know, the other party that was going to become our lifelong partner and we've both now been married 40 years plus or mm-hmm. thereabouts. And, you know, you think when you got engaged, you had an engagement party and people came to the party and gave you toasters and fry pans and kettles and <laughs> towels yep. and 
Yeah. You know? So, so you you were gifted some of the things that you would have had to have bought yourself if you just decided mm. to move out and and shack up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then same with the wedding. You know, like your parents paid for the wedding. Mm. The mm. guests came. They gave you more gifts, and and so when you then moved in with your husband or I moved in with my wife, mm. you had a lot of those things without the debt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were telling me earlier about somebody who's been living with their partner and isn't married and feels like they have to pay for the wedding themselves. What's what's the story there? Mm. Well, you know, they just, this young couple, so they've been, um, they've bought their first home, they moved in together, they bought their first home together. So now they're looking at somewhere down the track you know, looking at marriage, but they're actually saving up for the wedding because they feel that it's their responsibility to pay for that wedding, even though they have parents who are going, hey, guys, you know, we've we've got money here saved up for the wedding anyway. Yeah. But it's it's almost like we've it, everything is back to front and turned upside down these days. And I'm not saying whether that's good, bad or indifferent. It's just the way it is and it's the differences between, as you say, when, when we left home we were gifted with all this stuff and you didn't have to go into debt to create that first home, whereas now um, our young people are creating a lot of debt in just in the way they're doing things, I guess, and yep. um, it's – it is what it is, but it is creating a society of, well, we need staff. We've we've not lived at home long enough to earn the money to pay for it. And so therefore to go into debt is inevitable. You know, we need it. We need it now. So yeah. It, yeah it's almost a right. done thing, isn't it? Mm, yeah. It's just yeah. like, well, that's what everybody does. And I think in another podcast I talked about well, my friends have all got new cars, so we we should we could maybe we've been left behind. We should get a new car as well. Mm, Our friends mm. have bought this, so well, it must be okay for us to do it too. Yeah, so there's a yep. bit of a herd mentality, and a well, I wouldn't say keeping up with the Joneses, but to a certain extent, I guess you could look at it that way. But I think too, um, one of one of the other things too, and I know this just happened to us recently. So um, our oven broke down right and and I remember saying to you you know oh hey our oven's broken down now we've got to go buy a new one and that was my immediate reaction right broken oven have to go buy a new one and and you made the comment oh well how old is it da 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 it's probably just the element you should pull it out and have a look at it yeah oh okay fine so you know my husband had a look at it he's a bit of a handy person anyway had a look at it realized that it was the element now we managed to um have that element replaced very inexpensively i think the whole repair was something like 75 dollars instead of an 800 dollar oven you know Mm -hmm. as a replacement and i thought you know we're so quick to throw money at a problem as well um when oh my goodness that before haven't we well we have we have you know and and I was prepared to to go out and spend eight hundred dollars where for seventy five dollars we had a quick fix and I know you've talked about you know um being able to work on cars and and repair little things along the way that um I know you bandaged up a fridge once didn't you (laughs) I did yeah I wasn't I didn't have the money for a new one so I pulled the old one apart and found where the gas was leaking out and bandaged it up exactly yeah, you know yeah um it, it is and you've only got to go out to the local rubbish dump to see how much unnecessary waste that we we have I mean the landfill and the, the 
stuff that gets sold in the shop one year and it's in landfill the next year, it's almost a, it's a real indictment on our society and how things have gone. But yes, I think about all of the times in the last 40 years where I've saved us money because I grew up on a farm, was always under engine bonnets. I learned, you know, how things work and have been able to fix things myself. And I would recommend mm-hmm. to any young person, go and do some TAFE courses on how things work and how to fix things so that you become handy with your hands and, and understand what things what makes things tick so mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to call the service man, $80 service fee, plus, 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 mm-hmm. you know, whenever yeah. something looks like it's not working. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's a hot tip. Yeah. So, and I think another hot tip, David, for, you know, because we're looking at good debt and bad debt today. Well, one of the principles of staying out of bad debt is to spend less than you earn. Yeah. Right. But- <laughs> and I know that's a, a real big in. That was something that we touched on last week, hey, in our yep. podcast. Well, and, you know, that sounds easy to do, but it's not as easy to do as it might sound. Um, everybody would understand the principle. If you spend more money than you earn, you're going to get into debt and go broke. Mm. If you spend less, well, then the opposite's going to be the case. But, yep. you know, like the, you just mentioned the oven. You you buy a house or you buy, a, even if you bought a new oven or a new fridge or a new washing machine, you use that day in, day out. You don't actually see that that's got a cost to it every week. You know, a, a, a $1,000 fridge if it lasts 10 years, it costs $2 a week. Mm. Same with the washing machine, same with the TV set, same with the clothes dryer, same with the car. You know, and all of these things are costing you money even though you don't see that cost. So that's part of the reason why spending planners are so useful at helping people um, to have money available. And, and you know, what you said a minute ago about, oh, I nearly went and bought a new oven. Mm. I thought to myself, you know why you had that thought? Because I know you had money saved up for the new oven and because you had mm-hmm. the money there, you just thought it's okay to go and buy a new one. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much true. <laughs> Which is almost, it's almost a trap. In, in having total control of your money and having money allocated for the things that spending plans allow you to allocate money for, mm-hmm. you, you can almost spend money unnecessarily because you've got it. Well, that's right. It's almost like, oh, look, my, my spending plan tells me that it's time to go buy a new oven. Oh, my goodness, the new oven, just the, the old oven just broke. I can go buy another one. And you're exactly right because, see, and that's what we say. We talk about, you know, taking control of what's controllable. And all of those things are, are controllable because, as you say, you know, everything in our house has a lifespan, you know. Yep. Um, and so we can create a plan to replace those things. But so now, yep, I'm $800 ahead, aren't I, in my bank yeah. account? So, <laughs> yep, I, I think the new element's going to last a couple of years yet. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, and, and I mean, I just said $2 a year for, a, uh, sorry, $2 a week to buy a fridge over 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's so mm-hmm. insignificant if you actually think about you know, a spending plan is going to set you free from these shocks of. $1,000, please, $500, please, you know, $800, mm. please. Yeah. Because it's just two bucks a week here, two bucks a week there. It doesn't take much to take control of all of those things when you have a plan for your spending. Mm. So yeah. earlier on, and I know we're starting to get short on time, but I just want to touch on this. Earlier on, I said there are two things that came out of some a comment that you made. And I kind of covered one, but the other one is 
and I know we already talked a little bit about education, about, you know, if you don't get taught that there's good debt and bad debt, how could you possibly know? Mm. But I think what goes further from that comment is that there are people, in fact, just you, you talk to any wealthy, wealthy person and they will have used debt to become wealthy. Mm. And you talk to any broke person and they will have used debt to go broke. So that pretty much explains good debt and bad debt. But we don't get educated about how you could use debt to make wealth. I mean, there's only three vehicles to wealth, business, property, and shares. And using other people's money, i.e. debt, banks' money, borrowed money, allows you to, you know, if, if you've got $10 and you buy one share and it goes up by a dollar, great, you just made a dollar. But if mm-hmm. you borrowed a hundred dollars and you bought a hundred shares by putting in one dollar of yours and ninety-nine borrowed dollars, mm. and each of those shares goes up a dollar, you've just made a hundred dollars with ninety-nine dollars of borrowed money. Mm. That's a pretty good return. So, but no one teaches us these principles, and and there's yeah. a lot to it. It's not easy, but if you are passionate about learning these techniques and the principles, you could use debt to make you really wealthy. Mm, just mm. as easily as you could use debt to make you really broke. So yeah, we, we don't yeah. get educated in these things. So unless you go looking, you don't find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, so um, and I know we've talked about, you know, key people in the past that people can actually listen to and learn from. Um, so who who would be some people that you would recommend, David, that people should be listening to when it comes to property and shares and that sort of thing? Yeah. Look, a really safe place to start. I don't think anybody hasn't heard of Robert Kiyosaki. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant. They're the the two books that I would recommend straight off the bat without even thinking. Um, Bodo Schaefer, Road to Financial Freedom. Um, I actually sell them on my, I think I've still got some on my simplybudgets.com.au website. That's a good place to start. And then from there, you'll start to realise where your interest might lie, whether you think business or property or shares is of more interest to you. Mm, But you mm. need to learn the basic underlying principles because they are not going to teach it to you at school. They didn't teach it to you at school. And unless it's of interest to you, no one's going to bother because, let's face it, the banks like you being in debt because that's how they make their money. Mm -hmm. So it really is up to you to take action on that. Mm. So what's today's message in a sentence? Carolyn, what, okay. what's, the, what's the key? So really, um, today's message in a sentence that you can um, our listeners can go home with is it's so important to know the difference between bad debt and good debt and avoiding bad debt is essential financial knowledge. Okay. Absolutely. So, yeah. So if you're someone who never knew there was bad debt and good debt, I hope we've given you some food for thought today. Why not look at your own loans and credit card balances and consider what percentage of your debt is good and what percentage is bad? It might even be a wake-up call for you um, or it might not be. (laughs) So if you've got any comments that you'd like to make about this topic or questions you'd like answered or, for that matter, if you've got some other topic you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, here's what you should do. 
If you're a member of our Facebook group, you can post your comments and questions there. If you're not a member, you should join our Facebook group. Just search for Succeed With Money podcast within Facebook and request to join the group. Once you're in, you can then post your question and we'll respond. And just so you know, it's a very safe community in there. So um, yep. it's totally non-judgmental. You can post whatever you like. And um, we or one of our many spending planners who are on that site will respond to you. If you're not on Facebook, you can send us an email at admin at spendingplannersinstitute.com. Succeed with Money is a podcast series by the Spending Planners Institute. And David and I look forward to chatting with you next time when we'll be discussing another interesting topic relating to life and money because nobody fails with money on purpose. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye for now, everyone.